Thanks for tuning in again to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplitz and Clavio. You listen to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host Paul Rogers. How you doing, mate? Yeah, getting there. Thank you. Yeah, another major issue which has impacted um, the quality of the podcast with the uh, the background as a result of my foot injury. But yeah, getting there. I- I'm loving the fact that we are a tech- specialist technology podcast, but you've been forced to hot wheel it to a place to an old laptop that doesn't support branded backgrounds, which is very entertaining. So our technology is seamless today. Exactly, yeah. It's a very indirect route of me injuring my foot and not being able to get to the office. Oh, no, it's good, though, because there's always a tale to tell on these podcasts. Yeah. Um, and look, thanks to everybody who's tuning back in again. And for those who join us for the first time, a warm welcome. We hope you enjoy the content. We'd love to get a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple, etc. So our topic today uh, is multi-storefront for e-commerce. So we're coming at it from the point of view of not what do platforms offer, but how do you decide when to use multiple storefronts? How many storefronts do you need and why? Looking through some of the use cases we've come across, across client projects and what we've seen other people doing. And it kind of ties in with a few of the, the uh, podcasts we've done over recent months with, with big vendors like Big Commerce and Shopify around their offerings. Uh, and, and the other reason for talking about this is this year when e-commerce is having a hard year compared with previous years, growth isn't there for most retailers. Some are shrinking back and, you know, cost of living is having a big impact as well. A lot of businesses have taken stock and and, and looked at their storefronts and gone, do we really need all of these? They, they're costing time and effort to, to, to trade, to operate. They lead to in, cost impacts in things like increased license, increased app fees, ongoing maintenance and support. And some big brands are pulling back and putting the business case forward to cull some of their international storefronts and consolidate. So that's really interesting to see. There, there was a glut a few years back where everyone was crazy and just launched like 10, 15, 20 storefronts. And I think people are starting to realise it's not necessarily sustainable. Um, and you've, I know you've seen that, haven't you, Paul, with some, some uh, clients and other businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen this loads. And um, I think it's interesting how different it is when you're working across different platforms and but essentially a lot of the same principles apply like one of our clients is a relatively it's a big brand small online direct consumer uh site on magento they've got 32 storefronts essentially so a mix of stores and store views um and man and they put so much of their limited kind of e-commerce merchandise and resource into managing that and it's so disproportionate and you know 75 percent of the revenue comes from one store um and then you've also yeah to be honest like it's limited revenue anyway it just doesn't make sense it'd be much better investing in content or brand experience etc and then equally the same principle applies to a shop or a big commerce where you have completely independent stores um but yeah i think there's often a pretty big overhead to managing those stores. and there's a lot of things you can put in place to reduce those overheads but there's still going to be an overhead and I guess yeah it usually comes down to like the potential incremental value and the size of your team I think. Yeah I think that's a really really good point here because it's easy to spin up a storefront but you get the value from the effort to maintain it and the cost impact. I think sometimes people don't realise that license fees uh, are predicated upon the number of storefronts, um, you know, traffic, et cetera, number of orders through. There's lots of different permutations that impact on overall license fee and storefronts is definitely one of them. So in this episode, what we're going to cover is just quickly for those who are new to the terminology, what do we mean by multi-storefront for e-commerce? How the decision impacts operationally, use cases for just standalone single storefronts, um, you know, for example, like multi-currency to cover all your different customer groups, use cases for multi-storefront and platform considerations, uh, and then looking at, uh, you know, a bit of a summary at the end of 
you know, what's the decision tree? How, what are some of the questions you could ask yourself to help you make the right decision? Um, so let's start Let's start with the definition. So by multi-store front, say, what we're talking about is the ability to separately manage multiple channels or route to market for each of those storefronts. So this is the front-end customer website has a unique set of functional requirements. So it does more than just enable multiple currencies, for example. Um, and it might be accessed via a different domain entirely um, or a different URL path. So for example, mysite.com versus mysite.co.uk or mysite.com forward slash en versus forward slash fr for France. Um, and each of the storefronts can be configured independently as well as depending on the e-commerce platform, sharing global properties. Uh, for example, a you might have a site uh, in Asia that you need to connect to a different payment gateway. Um, you might have different shipping carriers you need to plug in depending on the location. So th the point here we're talking about is storefronts that are unique aren't just a replica of your master store. You're trying to trade them differently. You might need to connect to different apps, different um, you know, service providers. I mean, even I've seen a use case where somebody's had multiple ERPs uh, and the effort and pain of integrating multiple ERPs into a single storefront and managing the order management flow of that was prohibitive. It was far cleaner to have a separate storefront and do that um, integration cleaner. Um, and the other point I think is this can either be via a separate login for each storefront. So if I'm going into my France store, I have a separate login to my UK store or through a central admin login through water platforms, multi-storefront offerings nowadays, like you know, Shopify, big commerces, where you don't, you can switch your store views within your single login, which is a far simpler way to do the admin. So that's my definition. Like Paul, what, anything else you'd add in terms of defining what multi-storefront really means? No, I think um, in the context of this episode, I think it's just essentially separate entities, isn't it? And the, I think we'll go into more detail on kind of why you might need that and what the impact might be. But yeah, it's just different stores for different purposes or different kind of entities for different purposes. Yeah, I think the entity point, can you elaborate on that? Because entity is quite an important one from a financial point of view. Yeah, so um, I didn't actually mean it uh, like that, but yeah, absolutely. So it might be that it's like, yeah, a completely different registered business. Um, yeah, it's interesting how many variables there are around that with some of the platforms. Like with a few clients recently, I've been battling Shopify's commercial team trying to get different businesses or slightly different brands under the same uh, Shopify Plus agreement. And um, yeah, it's interesting how the slightest thing can suddenly result in a, in you paying double um, or quite a lot more for your license. Um, but yeah, that's another one that could be important. And the other one is, uh, which I know you've had before as well, is um, another big one is kind of buy, uh, bank accounts and um, payouts and the financial side of that as well. Cool. So let's, before we start talking about the use cases for single versus multiple, let's have a look at why this is important. I, this this is an essential thing uh, we want to get across is how does your storefront setup impact, impact you operationally? So let's, we're going to riff on a few things here. Um, and depending on your platform and requirement, some considerations that we're going to talk about can be achieved using a single storefront and applying configuration rules. For example, like, you know, an open source platform like Magento is very flexible. Um, you can do things if you don't have like an advanced B2B audience and you've got very simple B2B requirements. You could use a consumer facing website and simply have a customer group where the price changes to excluding VAT on a particular login and cover off the requirement. So sometimes you can achieve what multiple storefront is intended for in a single storefront with the right setup and configuration. 
But we're going to talk through the, these operational impacts because they're important considerations. My first one is front-end experience and whether or not you're happy to have a uniform set of templates for all visitors where the content can be personalised. For example, you might have a country toggle where you can switch from, say, UK to France, and then the banners change. So it's not a truly fully localised experience or site, but it's just some content personalization. They might have translated banners, for example, translated content blocks, which doesn't need multiple storefronts, can actually be done with the right CMS in a single storefront. Um, and also when you don't need a completely custom user journey for a, for a particular site. Um, what was your take on it, Paul, in terms of the, in, the operational impact from a, the front end piece? Yeah, absolutely. So you just touched on a few things. I think, yeah, things like language packs can help to reduce the need in quite a lot of the different platforms for different or completely independent stores. Um, yeah, we've had quite a lot of clients that have wanted completely independent themes for different sections of their site. And actually, I think historically there are a few platforms where that was really hard, but now again, it's getting um, a bit easier. Um, I think the only other one would be on some of the core platforms, so looking at uh, Shopify in particular, um, I do think it's still really hard to, and I wouldn't say this is usually, it's usually a combination of a few of these points we're going to talk about, but yeah, it can be uh, hard to kind of essentially deliver completely different content and factor in for loads of variables around, you know, international customers or different types of customers with a single store. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's hard because there are kind of so many variables around it. Yeah, that leads me on to my next operation point, which is trading. And the how, how sophisticated your merchandising, or let's say advanced your merchandising needs are, do you have global merchandising rules? And then do you have a like personalization capability based on the individual user that's done normally by a third party specialist tool? Versus do you really tailor all merchandising rules to specific um, visitor groups and site versions? There can be times when actually trying to do everything on a single storefront can get quite confusing. Yeah, I think this is a really important one. I think um, I'm going to slightly uh, kind of dip into the next one as well, which is catalogue. And I think um, this is what this is one area where like the sales forces and the Magentos do have a really good uh, kind of offering where like you can have you know multiple storefronts which can inherit a default value, and then you can also have local values kind of parent-child type relationship with content, visual merchandising, uh, you know, aspects of managing the catalogue, and it can make things a lot more efficient. Um, but equally, I think with the SaaS, some of the SaaS platforms that don't currently have like a fully kind of mature multi-store offering, um, the reason I'm combining them is I think it's getting easier to, you know, have a platform that allows you to visual merchandise and have a few variables within logic to push a certain order of products within collections or categories um, across multiple stores. And then the same principle exists with a PIM um, for managing product data. Um, and I think a lot of the, because obviously the big commerces and the shop buyers are attracting more and more, you know, massive brands that have these complexities that find these platforms appealing because they're a bit leaner and a bit more uh agile i guess and maybe a little bit more cost effective in places um and i think that those teams some of them have internal teams are very good at pulling things out of the platform and then using or building functionality or buying functionality to make that multi-store piece a bit more efficient 
Yeah, and I think on that product point, I mean, there's a, there's a few use cases where the product um, catalog has to be different in different markets, and trying to do that in a single storefront and adding logic that will dynamically change all of the catalog and pages um, based on either a customer source or, or a selector can actually be more hassle than it's worth and having a separate storefront, which enables you to do it very cleanly. And then, as you say, have, have logic of what, what version of the product goes into which of those storefronts. So a good one is like electrical goods where, yeah. you know, the, the electrical ratings are different in UK to US and you can't have the same SKU. Therefore, it's the same product, but different SKUs and different component parts and, and having that where that's all in the ERP and you can just push the, the appropriate versions through the integration into the local storefront. Um, yeah. yeah, so product's a good one to pull out. Um, the next one I've got is shipping. Now, I, I find this interesting because you can use a third party and set up a you know, like Shipper HQ and do all of your shipping logic in there. Um, for a lot, for people with simple shipping options where there isn't much variance depending on the countries, same carriers, but it's just different costs and lead times. Again, you can argue that you could just do multi-currency in a single storefront. Where do you see shipping materially impacting the need to have additional storefronts? Yeah, I think there's certain levels of shipping logic that can lead to you wanting to have, like, particularly again in the maybe the SaaS platform, lead you to have different uh, stores, but it's quite rare. I haven't seen it too often, but it's more like it's things like when you get into the depths of like certain products not being able to be shipped to certain areas or like certain carriers, like yeah having certain restrictions around certain products like and you just have a lot like multiple like big complexities working together and i think i have seen that but i think the average platform particularly i guess shopify which has been very limited around anything to do with checkout and all of this kind of stuff um is getting better all the time in this area and i think there's less it's a lot less likely now to need to go into separate storefronts for this kind of result of this kind of stuff um, than it probably would have been two years ago. And like you say, something like Shipper HQ, like in the past when I've had projects that have had like hugely complex uh, shipping logic, uh, rather than try and kind of become an expert in that and, you know, really spend hours and hours like simplifying and then building something, I just tried to pass it off to someone yeah. like Shipper HQ, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. You you can you can have separate storefronts and um, set the shipping logic configuration separately. And that gives you that gives you an efficiency, but you don't necessarily have to have a separate storefront just because you have different shipping logic. I think that's a key distinction. Um, how about taxation? Because again, you could set up to, uh, some platforms have this um, flexibility. Like Magento's pretty strong and able to set up. Um, country taxation rules. Um, I know you know, the SaaS platforms like Big Commerce and Shopify have got native integration with Avalara to enable it specifically, which is really strong for US sales tax specifically. Um, so this whole area, uh, what have you seen when people start to say, actually, you know, we have we have um because I've got one youth case where where one country destination, they everything's going to be sent um delivery duty paid. And for other um non-core markets, it's it's duty unpaid and they've decided to split that out into separate store fronts to have that as a simplistic thing do you see that as a use case or do you see other areas more important in from like tax and um i think um i think again most platforms getting a bit better at this and the third party is getting a bit better um because of you know brexit in particular but also like 
you know, duty is just becoming a bigger issue. Um, so I think it's got better, but I, yeah, I like what you just said there, where you have um, separate kind of logic around duties. And the other one that I was going to talk about, so you mentioned in here, so the other one is price. It's a combination of kind of pricing and taxing and uh, taxation and like how you handle uh, VAT on the front end. So if you've got a single store, it's actually very challenging to make to make it work long term if you want to show someone a price based on where they're shipping without asking them where they're shipping. And even then, it's quite hard to build. So um, it can be done, but that's a, that's. Been a reason. And the other thing is there's been a few issues with Shopify Market since they released that that's impacted some of those types of areas that's also led to an additional store on some of the projects we've worked on. So I think that can impact things. And pricing is the other one if you want to split out pricing but, uh, based on variables that are particularly hard, basically. Um, so, yeah, that is that would be the other one um, I would add in kind of alongside tax. Yeah, I think – I guess there's a, there's a bit of a theme emerging here, isn't there, which is – when when the re- business requirements and operation often often the finance requirements from a, a, a data management point of view mean that in order to do something in a single storefront you would have to create a lot of bespoke and custom logic which then increases the risk of failure it also increases the manual effort to ensure that all of that um analysis done correctly and reconciliations are correct and that it increases your support and maintenance so there, there, I guess there, there's often a, a, a breaking point where you, you turn around and go, well, actually, that's going to cause us more issues than it benefits. And a separate storefront would simplify this and we can avoid building all that custom logic. It's usually a bit of a combination of a lot of these as well, I would say. So like if you've got certain stakeholders that are obsessed with you know, growing into certain countries and they want the ability to trade the sites locally. And then you've also got like a finance stakeholder that wants the ability to uh, pay out in a local currency, for example, and not have to worry about the FX fees and everything else. And then when you combine them together, it's a lot easier to justify um, the additional store. Um, The other one that I've put here, which is a big factor quite often, is stock warehouse availability, that whole piece. Um, So essentially handling multi-warehouse where you've got different levels of inventory based on where the user is shipping to, and that whole piece can be a bit of a nightmare. A lot of the platforms still don't allow for multi-warehouse so for example Shopify allows for multi-warehouse and you can have a primary and a secondary but what you can't do right now is assign a warehouse to a market so um, things like that um, and the same applies to big commerce and there's other platforms out there that have got the same issue things like that can usually be a driver the biggest two that I see the biggest three things that make people um, and I don't know if I'm actually eating into the next point, but the biggest three. Yeah, but that's cool because the, this is the way these episodes go, isn't it? We just we flow around the topic. So yeah, so the bit the three biggest reasons I see people introduce an additional store. Uh, one is trading and local kind of promotions, content proposition, all of that stuff. And then the second one is finance. So primarily not being able to use a payment provider or the payout piece and, you know, losing a lot of money on the FX fees by having to convert back into a base currency. And then the third one is the warehouse. Um, So just being able to show the best um, availability to a user based on where they're most likely to be shipping to and, yeah, essentially being able to localise that whole piece. 
What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, exactly. I think that's. I think the inventory one was what my number one, which is depending on on how many countries you're shipping to, how many warehouses you have to reduce your local shipping costs, and also to reduce your your customs hassle of of having to ship across territories. A lot of people have moved. I know quite a few businesses have moved out of selling to the EU from the UK, but quite a few have done a consolidation piece where they've opened an EU warehouse to strip out some of the paperwork and admin and cost of it. And depending on, on on how many you've got, and I've seen this on, on several businesses, it then makes more sense to point go point to point. You, you know, UK with the UK DC, the US has got USDC, the EU countries have a central EU one, um, and having having those stores separated rather than trying because a lot of platforms, as you say, that people are on don't have that native ability. You'd have to find a, a, a custom solution around it, which just seems a lot of extra effort and risk for no for little reward when you can just set up separate storefronts so yeah definitely that one's important um and yeah I, the other one i've got because you've already talked about the currency and the fx rates i've had that on three projects this year where people are just desperate to save fx fees because um it at the moment cost cost um is going up across the board especially with with like you know supply chain material costs anywhere where people can strip out you know a couple of percentage points is a massive benefit to keeping people financially healthy but the other one's legal so I've, I've a few businesses where they essentially they trade in in, in markets especially out in asia a place like hong kong but it's through th- third party distributors or agents and they are fully responsible for site management and therefore they require they to keep things clean they're not they're not logging in as the business they need a separate storefront that could be self-contained they may even use a different platform entirely that's a that's a different point um but i have seen those situations where where you have like a local site to enable a third party to trade it and there they choose um within certain boundaries um how they manage that site yeah, I was going to um, add that one at the end as well. So we've seen it a lot recently. I feel like a lot. There's a lot of trends going into next year, which is expected to be like a relatively bad year. And there's a lot of third parties, like you say, that will take you know a brand and take them into Japan or South Korea, and they'll take a percentage of sale. And uh, that seems to be quite an appealing thing for a lot of brands at the moment. And yeah, we've seen that a lot where people are just wanting to quickly introduce a Japanese store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess an important point to make on this episode is that when we talk about multiple storefronts, we don't we don't mean it has to be on the same platform. Now, obviously, as a global business, you want to have um, some consolidation of technology because there's more efficiency there, especially with things like global agreements and license fees and control and process. But there are times when people will tactically launch a new market on an uh, on you know, a non legacy system. I've seen people who've been on you know hybris installation and they've rapidly launched with a third party off for Shopify because it's a far lower cost to market and quicker proof um uh, of concept and then you know some some might fold that into their existing technology later on once it's it's at the right level or they might just do a, a technology shift globally um onto a newer platform and and bring it in there yeah i think um we've had a few clients that have maybe been on like a Magento or WooCommerce moved entirely to a Shopify and then end up 
working with a third party to build like a magento open source or very lean woocommerce site with like a cdn and a bridge to optimize for china um because shopify is still not particularly performant in china um so yeah that's um another interesting one that we've had quite a few clients do and i feel like that's another one that's getting a lot of interest at the moment i still don't think there's like like a really obvious like amazing solution for people trying to build like a local chinese site um but yeah it's another one that i've seen a lot recently yeah my other my final use case and i know i'm not saying to everyone listen this is an exhaustive list but the key use case i've seen but but uh, investing in multiple store views is where you have distributed teams internationally so you have local country teams responsible for managing the their local country trading online um, they might have they will have specific local language needs. You might have a core platform and core set of tools that don't have local language packs for their territory. They might have different third party tool needs based on what's the specialist in that local market. I've seen that in places in Latin America. Um, and the complexity of having a single store view, even where you have different language views, and then having everybody managing all of the merchandising rules, the product recommendation rules, trading, everything within that single interface, the, the concern of, of, of error creeping in or things being overwritten and not having that separation and control means that actually as a global e-commerce uh, uh, organisation, it makes sense to have that run as a separate storefront. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's reminded me of one other, which is uh, arguably not, best placed here but uh and it's a slightly controversial one because i feel like everyone's got different opinions on it but mm. the role of a staging and test site in the SaaS world and like it's not it's, it's different to like a typical kind of staging environment in the sense that it's just a completely different store you know you're completely open to differences etc cetera, etc cetera. but that's another one where in an ideal world you'd have a separate store and you know you'd have the same kind of deployment processes and it would use the same like repository and everything else um but yeah that's another one that probably does need to be factored in here in the modern world and the way that kind of everyone's going yeah, which is basically it's you don't have a, a, a traditional staging environment. You have your 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 um, development environment, and then you have your production environment, and things are edited and managed, but in a preview mode before publish. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's flip back to where do we see sensible use cases for only needing a single storefront? So if I give, it, I'm going to give you my my three key ones, and then interested to hear your your perspective. So number one is if if you're a very simple business model, you're operating a single brand from a single country, um, UK, France, wherever it might be. Um, good example would be a UK business with own a UK registered business, and you've only got a single warehouse in the UK, and that sends out. Um, and international sales is a very small percentage. So we're talking 10, less than 10% of your total revenue. Unless that's unless you're planning an aggressive expansion, it doesn't seem to make sense to have different storefronts for those additional territories because the revenue benefit of it is quite low and you're not going to have the team that's that's actively trading and man, man, meaningfully managing those storefronts for localization that's number one and that leads into not providing or only giving minimal localization for the front-end customer experience so for example we talked about for a french visitor comes and they can toggle to like i select my french flag and it now shows me euro pricing and banners might have local language versions but there's no it's not a fully localized site with you know full translation 
um, you know, customized product catalog, customized navigation, et cetera, for very basic, just um, minimal localization. Um, and the third one is where you just need to do basic geo-targeting of content based on, on a, a, an identifier like an IP with a CMS that enables you to make some simple content changes. So those are the ones where it's, it, it feels like, you know what, you're boiling the ocean if you try and launch multiple storefronts. You can do it effectively until the international sales from specific territories can grow to a level where you think, do you know what, there's a proof of concept worth running here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I completely agree with all of those. And I think the point I was probably going to make was uh, usually my suggestion is prove, like so we're talking to a brand at the minute, they do a fair amount of revenue online, but they don't necessarily have any demand yet and they definitely don't understand it. So I think my suggestion for them was while they figure out what a strategy could look like and how much demand they potentially could have in other markets, introduce multiple currency, uh, like multi-currency, if certain markets take off, introduce payment methods, et cetera, like potentially test um, like a bit more marketing then gradually introduce additional stores where you need it um, initially and then potentially if you go down additional DCs, et cetera. Um, and I think the other one is team. And I had one example actually where we have a client who's got three stores, makes complete sense. They have two warehouses, they're very international, like it's the leanest possible route for them. Um, they've just acquired a new brand. Uh, it's not, it's an old brand, but they're re-releasing it. Trade will be relatively limited initially. Um, and they wanted to have multiple stores, but I've argued that one store makes complete sense. Like the it's going to be limited demand initially. Um, they only really need, you know, free currencies. Uh, most of the revenue is going to come from the UK. There's a few minor things that they've had to compromise on around local payment methods. Um, but overall, I think it's definitely the right move. Um, and then the one thing I was going to add is today it's so much easier to launch an additional store than it was two or three years ago. And I think the thing with them is, you know, it'd be less than a week's work to introduce another store um so it makes sense to you know focus all your very limited attention in that case on you know that existing site and potentially you know trying to use the limited resource to better communicate with uh previous customers or you know start to invest a bit more time into marketing etc and then as you hire more people and have more of a need you introduce additional stores yeah, I think that you've made this point a few times about if if the bulk of your revenue is in one single uh, country and the revenue from, from the additional store fronts you could add is minimal at that country level. And I've seen people where they've been talking about launching a site for France or Germany and it's like 2% of sales. It's it, Unless you're, the, unless you're um, number one territory, um, a lot, as you said, there was one with seventy-five percent. I've seen people where their their main store has got ninety percent revenue. Unless that, if that's got fundamental issues in that store that aren't fixed, so you're not in a program of conversion rate optimization where you're just incrementally improving, but you've fundamentally got issues, customer experience issues, conversion issues, product issues, whatever it might be, stock issues. You've got to fix that first because that's your revenue protection. And when once that model and that operating model and process is robust it becomes such a, a more efficient process to roll out a second store because you have those processes to replicate even if you then have to tailor them slightly. Yeah, I think people, we've we've got loads of clients that have done particularly France and Germany when it's well under 1% of their revenue. And I think the thing that people forget is one that 
you know, the overhead and how much of a distraction it is for internal teams, but also how much effort it takes to do it properly. Because I think if you're servicing, if you're localizing stores, you're servicing the same set of customers in the same way. They're, you know, people that maybe already are interested in the brand, they're coming to the site, they're buying. There's very little difference in it being local language versus English language. Uh, fine. But, you know, if you're trying to prospect to new customers and you want it to be like a really good brand experience, you know, you need to have people internally to build out content and trade the sites and really understand those local customers and the local markets. And then, you know, customer service, CRM, like it all needs to be localized. Like if you localize the front end site, really, you have to localize the whole thing and i think people sometimes underestimate the amount of money and time that needs to go into it they don't do it properly and then the thing that we were obviously talking about before this episode which i see as a big trend at the minute is the reverse localization so people getting rid of their spanish site potentially their french site a lot of our clients do really well in germany so that's maybe a bit more of um, an area they're willing to invest in but there's a lot of um, that at the moment i think yeah i agree and and also i you know, coming back to the value of a single storefront, but with some elements of localization to give people better than nothing, is you can often incrementally add elements in and start to measure the impact. Do you start getting better conversion from those countries? Do you get more customers? Do you get better retention? So, you know, you can use a CMS to publish, you know, a, a different version of an asset depending on the locale selected or by, by an IP. Um, you know, modern CMSs uh, enable you to do that. You can have a payment provider that, that covers all the international plus local payment methods. So likes of Adyen, Checkout.com, Stripe, et cetera, so that you ensure that in the checkout, the local payment methods the customer needs are enabled rather than just forcing them down a card payment. You can use international address validation tools like Allocate and have um, country selector pre-defaulted towards the, the um, person's um, location. So if someone's visiting France, it pre-defaults to the French um, country selector and they can change it if they then want to ship or, or go to a different country. You could then even do things like that point you said about the customer service piece is critical because the cost of doing it is expensive. But if you know that you're quite phone order dependent for e-commerce revenue, you could do a pilot with a local number with somebody outsource it for a bit where you provide a local customer service support and measure what impact that has before you create a fully localized site or an additional storefront. So I think there are smart configuration approaches you can take to a single storefront to gradually build up the confidence to launch a standalone store. What's your take on that? No, I completely agree. That's what I personally recommend to a lot of our clients. Like you get the basics in place, the currencies, the payment methods, you know, the branded search and shopping exposure, et cetera. And then as you have the demand or the business reasons to launch into another territory, like invest in it. But yeah, same, same principle. Yeah. I think it's about setting expectation because there are certain markets where having an English language site goes down worse than others in Europe, like France, you are you just do not get the same level of response if you don't have a translated, properly translated site. Um, that's just a reality. Doesn't mean you can't generate or increase sales, but you will be limited in the ceiling you can achieve. Um, so let's get on to our final topic, the decision tree. So what I wanted us to each take turns in talking through is, okay, so we talked about a lot about multiple single storefronts, the use cases, the decision criteria. Let's give people a kind of like series of questions or, or things they need to think about in order to help them make the decision. So if I go through my approach first, then you can pull it apart and laugh at it and come up with your own one. But I normally start people thinking about 
so you you've we were talking about this before we we started recording it and the key point you made i'm stealing your thunder but about is the cost of adding a storefront just justified or do the added costs involved so this might be you know if you're using a SaaS and you've got an app and you've got to pay extra app license fees for the additional store view um you know all the additional license fees of your core e-commerce platform um does does the cost cost versus benefit stack up um then it's looking about okay if you're operating in multiple countries do you have any specific legal or financial requirements where actually you really do need to have a, a separate storefront in order to connect to the relevant bank accounts to handle compliance whatever it might be that you can't achieve in your current system with that single store view or the cost of achieving it would be so expensive it's quicker to just roll up a second store um we've talked about whether your percentage of sales is really really low and do you really can you really justify it um we talked about inventory management so i always go through that piece about you know how do you fulfill do can you connect to the relevant stock files do, do we have problems in this same with like the the um uh, then go through the taxation piece uh, and the pricing uh, and then then it comes down to things like do you have a very specific unique brand identity that's different to your core site and therefore you really need to sculpt something that's very that's different that has unique user journeys and that leads into b2c versus b2b which is are you selling to trade customers online and do you have a proper b2b set of requirements that isn't just a question of change in price so you know, for example multi-level accounts um, permission-based uh, logins, payment on credit, custom price books, et cetera, where you're not going to get out of a consumer site and therefore you will need a B2B storefront in order to achieve that properly. So that's, that's kind of some of the decision criteria I get through. What what are, what are your starting points with, with people? What are the most important questions they should be asking themselves? Yeah, it's, um, it is a really interesting one because it does differ by business. I think the, like, I think the main one comes down to incremental value like forgetting the only thing i would say is there are some variables like we've got a client that has massive wholesale presence in like asia so they feel like they have to have local sites in those markets from a brand perspective and you know they the type of business that's got high aov long lead time so they think there's like a discovery process that should be local like from my perspective looking at a numbers looking at the numbers it doesn't make sense but from their perspective they believe the different stakeholders that do believe that that does make sense but from like purely standard e-com perspective i think yeah usually it would be like if you want to go out and prospect new customers acquire a load of new customers like truly grow into a market and it's got a different language that makes sense usually assuming that you that it does make sense um and then I think all the other ones you said, so yeah, like the, the DC piece, the warehouse piece, you know, all of that um, is again, like one of the most common ones. Um, yeah. And then I think just team time, because that's another one, like, like I said at the start, like I just think there's so many people that are wasting time on maintaining local sites when all of the demand is branded they're going to buy anyway um because like we've we had one client where we removed the french and german sites you know it was all people that were looking for their products they'd only really buy by them um you know everyone was a bit worried about it i expected a dropping conversion rate and revenue and there wasn't any really and we just saw a big uplift in people using google translate um and then we also just found that people would buy anyway so i think you know it's easy to forget that um maybe like you say france is one where i think um 
local language does make quite a big difference some of the asian markets but a lot of the others you know there's so many native english speakers or people that are buying a branded product and they're able to get their way through the checkout um but yeah i think to be honest you covered most of the main one yeah i I think that's that that's some really uh, interesting additional points um it, it really does vary, but I think it it really pays for people just ask the question about why they're doing it, what they're trying to achieve, what 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 does a separate storefront give them that they can't do through just you know having a slight element of localization within their existing one, or does the cost of of localizing the existing one um, prohibit uh, and actually it make more sense? It's, you know, similar cost to launching everyone. Why don't we just do that? Um, excellent. So. That's been uh, that's been a whistle stop tour of multi storefronts for e-commerce. What they are, when you need them, when you don't. Um, we'd love to hear your views as well. Like, do you think do you agree, disagree? Are we talking bollocks? Happy to be challenged on it as always. Um, do do reach out and let us know. We'd love to hear your experience and, and when you've seen the need for people or your business to move from a single to multiple storefronts and uh, and what benefit it's had. Thank you for listening. Um, keep an ear out for the next episode. We drop them every week. Uh, we'd love to know any topics you'd like uh, us to cover as well. And do subscribe uh, and leave us a rating on Apple, Spotify or YouTube. Until next week. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.